video. Okay. Fixing a few things here. First, yep. watch your stuff. I can't see. <laughs> okay, that's. I usually get my. T I get. I get in there a lot. <laughs> You're fine. You guys, all right. I get lies. I get lies. Okay. We're good. All right, let's do it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are rolling into another episode here talking about something um, that I've actually been dying to discuss, and that is the lynching of black Americans. Now, you might be watching this and thinking, Candace, what are you talking about? It is 2019. Black Americans are no longer being lynched. Um, but I beg you to reconsider your position. What it means to be a black conservative today have the tactics been updated? Are we watching media lynchings that are occurring if you come out in support of conservative principles, or even worse, in support of President Donald Trump? Uh, my next guest knows a lot about what I'm speaking about, and I'd like to introduce all of you guys to Mr. Paris Denard. Welcome to my man cave. It's a very nice man cave. <laughs> this is my man cave. It's might nicer than my apartment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm so glad to have you here today, um, and we're going to get into everything that happened to you, everything that's gone on with me since I've kind of come out in support of this president and being a black conservative, but I want to first take it back to introducing you to my audience and, and letting them know who you are, what it is you do, and let's start with just growing up. What, where are you from? Tell yeah. me a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm, I appreciate being here with you, Candace. I think you are a force, and Thank so it's, a, it's an honor to be with you. I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. I uh, grew up in a single-parent home. My mom was not political. My family wasn't really overtly political, pretty uh, Democrat in terms of politics, but conservative in terms of how we were raised in the church. Uh, you know, go to church every Sunday, choir rehearsal, Bible study, all the whole nine. And so very close-knit family and uh, went to uh, Pepperdine University here in California and uh, was there for uh, five years, got two degrees in political science and public relations. And throughout this time was always involved in politics and got invited to a teenage Republican convention when I was in high school. And I didn't know anything about what, what the difference was between being a Republican or a Democrat. I just like leadership. And I went to this convention in Arizona and I ran for a corresponding secretary, gave a speech and won the election. And the rest is history. Um, became state chairman of Teenage Republicans. And it was funny thing, Candace, was I didn't even know whether or not I was a Republican when I ran for office for that position. I just wanted to be involved. And that night in the hotel room, my, my buddy said, let's just find out if you're Republican or conservative. So he started asking me just a series of questions and said, just respond. And all of my just gut reactions at you know, 16, 17 years old lined perfectly with the Republican Party. And he said, well, luckily, you're a Republican because that's what you believe. And I, so I went home to my mom and I said, Mom, I'm now corresponding secretary for the Arizona Teenage Republicans. And, I, and I'm a Republican. She goes, well, that's great, son. Just don't tell your grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's actually really inter interesting that you just said something that I talk about all the time, uh, which is that there seems to be a disconnect in the black family. We are raised conservative. And yet, if you ask a black person in their youth, what are you, they'll say Democrat. Like there, there seems to be a, a total disconnect in terms of what we actually practice right. versus what we feel that we have to preach. That's absolutely true. I mean, one of the things, my grandfather was my hero and he's since passed away, but he told me, he said, Paris, I don't like your party. He said, but I like you in your party. He said, and don't you leave the party. You stay and you fight in the Republican Party because he knew that the things I was standing for and the things I was trying to do and change and make better were for my community's interest and things that I thought were important. So I think that as a community, we have to be willing to say, what are the differences between the parties and what is it that I believe? Look, there's a new guy, Caleb Hanna, out of uh, West Virginia, the youngest black American state legislator, 19 years old, attends at, a, at HBCU. He was inspired by President Obama to get involved in politics, but he started to learn about President Obama's policies, especially in coal where his father came from, and he switched and said, no, I'm going to be a Republican, and he supports the president because of it. It's to your point, Candace, when we're honest and we look at how we're raised, but actually look at the realities of the political structure, then we realize we're probably more Republican than we are Democrat. Yeah, you know, I personally have the theory that it's actually the school system and the culture that poisons us and makes us believe that we're liberals, when in fact the black community is, is as far as liberalism as it possibly gets. And you brought up the church, and, the, and I yeah. say that all the time. I say the black community cannot align with the side that is not aligned with God. Um, and, and this leftism, this increasing radical leftism, rejects God at every chance that it gets, and it mocks God. And you see so much of that happening on the television screen and in the culture and in the media, and it's something that it's just very strange to me that we haven't yet 
turn the lights on and realize that this is not a party that we can align ourselves with. We're consumers of culture. The black community, are, black community are just consumers of culture and influence and things that we see. And if we're giving things on television and radio and music and presented with things to, I think, desensitize us and to liberalize us and to make bad or make make it to be evil to be conservative or make it evil to be Republican, or you, anytime you see a Candace Owens, you're immediately labeled or you're put down or you, your character is besmirched. I think that's part of their, it's not by happenstance, it's deliberate because they know that that we've got to create a narrative so that more black Americans, more younger black Americans don't discover what it means to be essentially free. Right. And it, it is free. I love that you use that word. And I say that all the time when people say, you're all right, you're this, you're that. I say, no, 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 no. I'm free. Right. I'm free. I've released the mental change. I see the world for what it actually is. And I feel like it's, it's such a duty of mine to make sure as many black Americans wake up um, to what I just see to be a mass brainwashing in our community where we are literally voting for things that are against our best interests. Like, Absolutely. It's it's actually unbelievable. So you you actually made it quite far in politics and you've worked with a president before, which is True. Tell me tell me about that. Which yeah. president was it and and what did you do and how did you get there? Yeah, my first job out of college was uh interning at the White House for President George W. Bush in the political affairs office. I didn't know anybody. I, I, I had interned at the RNC before that, and I had really just um, was just so passionate about what I believed and just wanted to get really into the Republican Party. And I just set a goal and said, I'm going to work at the White House. Didn't know how I was going to do it. Didn't know where. <laughs> just, so I, I told my mom, I said, Mom, I'm moving to D.C. And I'm, uh, and I'm going to work at the White House. And she said, you just spent all that money to go to Pepperdine University and you got two degrees and you're going to work for free. I said, yes, just trust me, it's going to work out. <laughs> so two months into this unpaid internship, I was hired because someone left and, and my boss called me to her office and said, we want to hire you for the position. And she said, it only pays $30,000. I said, well, Sarah, it's $30,000 more than I make now, so I'll take it. <laughs> and so I, w I started there and I was a, a political coordinator working with the different political parties um, on behalf of the White House. And then I was honored to become the director of Black Outreach. And so that was all of the uh, policies and issues that relate to the black community in the, in the Bush administration, we were working in the public liaison office to get those people to the table, the the, the African-American organizations and, and, and people who were aligned with the different things that we're doing from a policy standpoint, we were doing that. It's in addition to traditional things like Black History Month and Black Music Month and things like that. So it was we were charged with getting the black community aware of the things that the Bush administration at that time were doing. How did it go? Do you, do, do you think that it was something... Something that went great or not so much? Because you know, I remember being a youth when we yeah. had President Bush there, and I just thought, this man is a racist. Yeah. I mean, look, I come from a black family, you know. Yeah. I can't believe he's in office. Everything he's doing is to harm us. So how was it like, what was it like trying to get the word out about the positive things that he was doing for the black community? It was tremendously challenging. It was challenging in part because we didn't have Facebook. We didn't have Twitter to the way social media is now. Right. So we could have influencers and people, and we could do a podcast, and we can do, you know, just direct messaging to people. It was through the traditional uh, means of communication. So it was difficult. We remember we were on the backdrops of Hurricane Katrina and that decision, and we were on the backdrops of other things that happened. And people, if we thought the attacks against President Trump were bad, back then the attacks against President Bush were, were, were horrific in terms of the black community. I remember uh, years later he was asked, what was the thing that you hurt you the most, that you just most regret? And he said, he said, when I was called a racist. Wow. He said, it bothers me to my core because I know that's not who I who I am. And that's what that's what people do on purpose. Uh, they, they use identity politics and they attack people on things about race because they know it cuts to the core. So I had people come to me to this day, leaders of major African-American organizations that said, Paris, we had more access to the White House. We had more uh, opportunities to have a seat at the table and to talk about substantive, substantive things in the Bush administration than we did all eight years of the Obama administration. So to me, that was a point of pride, knowing that we were had an open dialogue and an open a seat for people who wanted to work. All we just asked is just be willing. Right. Just be willing to work with us and we'll work with you. Right. And that it's jarring to me because now that I'm on the other side of it to grow up and think that the president, former President Bush was a, a racist and um, not ever once pausing to consider why I believed those views. It really shows you how much the media had sort of a stranglehold. And you're right. This is before social media. Yeah. This is before the era of technology and, and I, the era of technology. And I get that question all the time, which is, Candace, why do you think that you've been able to have more of an impact 
um, and the people that came before you, brilliant people that came before me, much smarter than I. Dr. Ben Carson is a literal brain surgeon, right? <laughs> you're like, all right, you're a brain surgeon. Right. No, no, he's actually a brain Literally, surgeon, yeah. this guy. Um, and he and I spoke about it. You know, I've, I've had an opportunity to meet him a few times now, and I told him about the Blexit movement, you sure. know, blacks exiting right. uh, the liberal ideology and the Democrat Party. And what I've done differently is is culture, right? Like, I'm not saying anything that hasn't been said before. It's something that I'm saying that Dr. Thomas Sowell hasn't written a book on. Um, But I've understood that the war that we're fighting is cultural. And and you can't bring politics to a cultural fight, right? So you you can't think that you're going to sit down, you're going to have Milton Friedman and Thomas Sowell, you know, talking about capitalism. And and that's going to change the minds and hearts. But you can think that if you're willing to harness social media and you're on Twitter and you're on YouTube and you're you're bringing the conversation down to where it feels like they're talking to their brother and sister and you're using humor and you're using satire, you can start to change hearts and minds pretty quickly. It's absolutely true. And I think that, you know, people are always surprised by me when they see me or they they think that I'm just someone who just came to the party or someone who has just been on the national. It's like, no, I just didn't have social media. Right. Like I've I've been this conservative and this passionate (laughs) back, you know, when when I was in high school. Right. Right. I've been this way. I just didn't have the platform. The good thing about people like you, Candace, is that you have the platform and the platform is now available to literally, congratulations on a million Twitter followers. Yes. It's a million Bub, people. You, Bub, you haven't congratulated me I on a million. Know that. Yeah, yeah. I have 16 actually, followers. 60, you have 60? <laughs> yeah. I'm not one of them. Okay. <laughs> I know, I have a million. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's the platform and it's the way to, com- to, me- to communicate directly to people without the filter of the, of the cable news or the, or the pundits that people always relied upon and that's the power it's really powerful to have a platform it's really powerful to have a have this social media when we use it to benefit our, our, our people and I think that's what we have to continue to do we have to continue to speak out and have to continue to find you know creative ways to do that and to get our voice out because if we don't a they're gonna they will either silence you or B they will just prevent you from even being able to get to have a platform. I think they're actually starting to see that, that they realize that they never predicted that social media would create this hole and they would no longer be able to control the narrative. And right. really how Trump won was that he harnessed the power of social media. Absolutely. And they're starting now to try to control social media platforms. We're seeing that. Obviously, we're at, we're at PragerU right now. Yeah. And they're they're in a war with Google right now. God bless them for standing up to, to Google um, and YouTube and banning our videos and trying to de-platform us, knocking conservatives off of Facebook, off of Twitter. Um, I've seen it happen to so many people. Um, so we, we really do have to understand the threat that that poses, that they they sense that they've lost control. Right. And I think that nothing scares them more than the idea of losing control of black Americans. Well, you know, it's it's so funny. I remember um, when something happened, I think it was Kanye West, and somebody said, um, this is what happens when uh, uh, Negroes Negro, don't read. Negro, and I said, no, actually, this is what happens when Negroes do read. <laughs> because if you go back to slavery and, and Jim Crow, the whole point was to keep African-Americans from being able to read. Correct. Because if, if you, you know this because you study history. The, the slaves that came over to America were the strongest. They were the ones that were able to survive on the ships coming over here. They had to be able to be the absolute strongest to survive coming over to America and then be able to work as hard as they, they 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 were built to be the strongest. That's why they went and actually got those and inspected them because they needed to have the strongest people here. So when you look at us, fast forward today, the descendants of these strong, both strong physically and strong mentally Africans who came over to this country, this is who we are. Right. This is our DNA. And so then what they knew, they said, if we take these strong individuals, strong-minded, strong physically individuals, and allow them to read, allow them to write, allow them to progress, we're done. Right. They will rebel. They will take over. And that is ex- exactly what is happening politically, culturally. When we learn how to read, when we learn what, how to know what our power is, right. when we start to think for ourselves, then we are we loose the shackles that they try to put on us. And, and sometimes it's liberalism. Sometimes it's socialism. Sometimes whatever it, those shackles are, we become freer. Right. And this is what we are, I think, uh, experiencing now more than ever before in history. We are seeing free-thinking African Americans, especially millennials, stopping and saying, you know what, I may not be Republican, that's fine. I may not be Democrat, but I'm going to stop and think about the things that I hear President Trump say, the things that I hear Candace Owens say, the things that I might see Paris Denard say, because 
if I'm able to use my own mind and make up my own decisions, then I believe they're going to trend towards the right. I think they're going to trend towards what's in our DNA, which is being conservative. It's at our core. And we keep talking about freedom. And I love that you use this word because I just read an article about me recently and it said the popularizing of the term, the Democrat plantation with my face and why it's so wrong, because they know that this clicks with people. When I say that you are stuck on the Democrat plantation, that is exactly what I mean. You are not free. You are doing free labor for people that (laughs) are not servicing you whatsoever. They're not helping you. They're not, they're doing nothing for you. So to me, when I look at blacks, that support this party blindly, know nothing yeah. about their history, know nothing about the fact that, as you mentioned, the people that were in support of Jim Crow were the Democrats. The people right. that you know put slavery into place and held the slaves were the Democrats. The the terrorism that we went through, the domestic terrorism, domestic terrorism. with the KKK, right. those were the Democrats. So when right. you look at me and you call me an Uncle Tom and you right. call me a coon, I feel bad for you. Right. I feel bad for you that you're so uneducated that you have not yet realized that you are doing free labor for a party that has done absolutely nothing for you. And all it would take was opening a book. You know, Candace, one of the, uh, Arthur Brooks, the former head of AEI, American Enterprise Institute, he said, I'm a conservative because I believe in the free enterprise system and I care about the poor. Because I believe that the free enterprise system is the only way, the yeah. only mechanism to help bring people out of poverty into the middle class and into Facts. prosperity. Absolute fact. And that, I'm like, if more conservatives and more Republicans would talk like that and articulate that, because that is how you start to change minds, because we you get put into a system. There, the, the poverty is it's a system of poverty. Mm-hmm. It's a system of welfare. It's And it's not not, and look, we know the facts that there are more white people on welfare than our black people. But when you look at these urban communities, there's there, it's systematic. And you don't get out of the cycle of poverty. It's, and I believe it's by design. Of course it's by because, design. Because the free enterprise system, the free market, there's no opportunities for, for growth. There's no opportunities to advance in the communities because they're not. That's why I'm thankful for, for the opportunity zones. Right. That's amazing. You know, And, and I like the fact that they're called opportunities because right. it allows people to have the freedom to choose and, and to have jobs and, and to advance. And this is what we need more of. But it is the conservative, free minded things that Thomas. Imagine if Thomas Sowell had Twitter, you know, when it in, in, does. It's a fake account. It, right. and it's got tons of followers right. because right. it's just Thomas Sowell quotes and he's that right. powerful. But in, 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 in his heyday, right, yeah. when he, if him doing podcasts, him doing these things, all of these great intellectual thinkers on the right that have been there that didn't have the platform that right. you now have, we would be able to change minds earlier. But now, 100%. luckily, we're able to do it in this capacity. Right. And I always say, like, I'm so grateful to them because I, I'm just able to springboard. They, I mean, they laid the groundwork, sure. right? So it's easy for me now when I needed to learn really fast how wrong I was, right? <laughs> how, I'm really, really wrong. How do I fix it? I went onto YouTube and I watched Thomas Sowell speak yeah. about every single topic and issue. And I got yeah. his books and Walter Williams. And I just went under and, and relearned everything. But here's what the problem is. And here, and, and I want to know what you think about this. In order, a, a huge thing, that a huge component of what you need to leave the left is humility. Mm. Do you know how much humility it took for me to say I was wrong about everything and I know nothing, right? I mean, that take, you, you got to be a pretty humble person and have no ego, especially if you've gone so far left that you're on Facebook and you're on Twitter defriending your friends, right. uh, calling them all Nazis, calling right. them racist. How do you then say, oh, wait, you know what? My bad, I was wrong. I think that's what people struggle with is that sometimes they just stay on the left because they've gone so far into the Looney Tune direction that they're afraid to say, hey, you know what? I'm sorry, I was wrong and I'm relearning this. Well, it, it's it's I think that it's the the humility factor that you just articulated, but it's also the fact that with, on the other side, it's the demonization that happens. It's you know if you say you know I was wrong, I realized the errors of my ways, I educated myself and realized that I am going to be more aligned with the Republican Party or more conservative values and principles. But then when they do that, the hell that they have to go through. <laughs> So, so then because of the narrative that is put out, because of the, the brainwashing and the, 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 the power of the, the, the mainstream media, then they, they're like, why would I come out right. and even do it? Right. I, I always say like being a conserv- a black conservative today has got to be like re- being gay in the 80s. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, like talk about like you, you got to deal with your family. You got to deal with the, with the public persona. I mean, it's, it's horrible. The stigma. The stigma that it's is attached stigma. to being a black conservative. The thoughtless stigma that is yeah. attached to it. It's completely thoughtless. I mean, they throw out the exact same words, horrific terms. 
things I, things that I had to look up. I didn't even know what a bed wench was yeah. until I looked it up. Um, and they're allowed to use racial slurs. They're allowed to say whatever they want. The fact that on primetime CNN, they were allowed to say about Kanye West, who was it, Bakari Sellers? Sure. That Negroes don't, this is what happens when Negroes don't read. And they all started laughing and they never even had to retract the statement. Right. Could you imagine if on Fox News, right, <laughs> right? or if Donald Trump, right, right, got up and said, well, this is what happens when Negro, I mean, it, it's jarring to me. Right. What, what you're allowed to do um, in that space of liberalism, they are allowed to say anything that they want about black conservatives, anything that they want. But and if it was said about black liberals, the world would implode. It's it's the truth. And we see that even in their policies, right? Some of the things that they're able to propose and to, you know, no one thought Obamacare could happen. No, no, actually it happened. Right. And so when you look at the issue of infanticide, you know, and these other the issues, you know, you say, well, this can't happen. No, it, it's happening. You give them an inch, they'll take a yard. And this is what is going to happen. So you'd be unheard of if a Republican or a conservative said these things, but it's okay. It's justified. It's because you're a black conservative. So it, your your life really doesn't matter. Right. This is this is this is <laughs> this is what they, they're really saying. Right. They're saying, Candace, because you happen to be conservative, Paris, because you happen to be Republican, you know, your life, your 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 trajectory, your career path, your your good name. It really doesn't matter. So we can say what we want. We can do what we want. We can create any memes that we want about you without any repercussion because you really don't matter. You really don't matter. That's And that's exactly right. And here's something that I've also noticed, and I say this to people, I challenge them to find me a person. You can let me know if I'm right or wrong. But I say, I have met so many black liberals that have gone conservative, but I have never met a black conservative that's gone liberal. Shouldn't that tell you that there's something that on the conservative side, that there is some layer of uh, some nucleus of truth, right. that it's once our eyes are opened, right? We don't go away from conservatism. We realize what is happening in this country, what has happened in the past. And I challenge someone. I say, show me, show me the black conservative that went liberal. Well, you know, the good thing that you're doing, Candace, is that you are creating... I call it like a safe haven, right? The movements that you're starting and the things that you're doing, especially with with the other the things that you're doing, even internationally, you're creating this this a sense of community, right? And you're letting them know that you're not alone. For so for for so many years, it was just Kay Cole's James, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was just Kay by herself. It was right. just some of the other uh, notables that we know in the Black conservative movement. Now you're saying, if you want to be a Black conservative, not only are you going to be supported. But it's okay. We're going to give you a platform and encourage you. Right. And we're and, and, and we're going to grow the body. Right. So it's more powerful to be in numbers than to be standing by yourself. So when 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 somebody attacks you, I know that I have Candace Owens having my back and all of Candace's right. fo followers. And that's and what you did. we bring those movements together. And that's why together. we have these conventions. It's like right. you got to look around the room and know you're not alone, and that exactly. we are fighting a cultural war, but we can win. You can right? win. The number, I, the truth is on our side. Right. right? That, that's the number one thing you have to realize. The truth is on our side. Exactly. So we're going to win, and I really believe that. I want to talk to you a little bit about the president. Yeah. I want to talk to you about your support for him. Yeah. How, how did that start? You know what? During the 2016 campaign, I said, I want to have a winner. I, I, I don't care who it is. Somebody <laughs> has got to win. Because if we lose, someone. someone. <laughs> if we lose, we're going to be lost for a generation. Right. The Democrats will control everything for a good generation. And I said, we've got to win. I worked with you know, McCain lost, Romney lost. I said, we cannot lose. I'm sick of losers. Right. And I think senators... Funny thing. There's right. somebody that loves to win. Right. <laughs> we're going to win so much, you're going to be sick of it. Sick of winning. Right. <laughs> And then I said, I believe that it has to be a governor or somebody who was a, a successful CEO to lead the country where we need to go after what we saw for eight years with the senator. And so I kept watching Donald Trump and I kept listening to Donald Trump as he stayed right there in the center stage, meaning he had the support and he was number one. And I, I said, this man can win. And I, I believe that he should run. I didn't have a problem with that. And I said, I, I, and, then, and then CNN said, well, we'll give you a contract. And I was on national television supporting the president. But it was funny. I was on television, and during the campaign, uh, somebody in the Trump war room said, who is that guy? <laughs> and actually, frankly, it was Steve Bannon. Said I was told, they said, who is that guy? And they said, well, that's Paris Hilton. He said, is he on our team? Is he one of our people? They said, well, no, he's just out there supporting the president by himself. They said, he said, what? He said, go down there, get him on board with the campaign as one of our surrogates. So two days later, 
the racist Steve Bannon (laughs) identified me, right? And then Brian Lanza, a Hispanic American, came to my office and said, we want you to to, to join the campaign and and, and our media team because you're doing great work and, and you're doing it on your own. We want to be able to help and support you. And I did that. And, you know, it was it was challenging. I had never gotten death threats before. I had never been called all kind of things that I've just had to Google and you know, like, yeah, Googling these yeah, things. These slurs, yeah. I'm Googling. Them. I'm like, oh, this yeah. is wrong. OK, this should be blocked. You right. know, <laughs> yeah. This shouldn't be allowed to be said. And and I was just so impressed by his message and the directness of his message, especially to the community, because for so many years I've heard people talk about urban America, but they wouldn't talk about the realities in many of the places of urban black America. And this president was talking about it. He wasn't just talking about it to gain points at black audience. He was talking about it in white audiences. And I and people got upset about that. I said, no, no, that's what you need to right. do. That's that's the courage. That's to talk talk about my community anywhere you go, everywhere you go. Right. And I said, this is somebody I can get behind because I believe he's not beholden to any party structure. He's not beholden to any special interest. He's going to say what he believes and mean what he says. And I can get behind somebody like that. And I have been proud to stand with him and support him publicly and privately because I think he is doing an amazing thing for the country, but more specifically for uh, the black community. I really do believe that he, he is a rare moment, a, a rare window of opportunity for the for black America to wake up and, and to realize that we have not been a part of this American dream because we've been lied to and used and abused and sold this concept that there's somehow virtue in victimization. Like all you have to do is figure out where you can plug into the victim complex. And where, what does that yield? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. Yeah. But what, what does it yield to be a Black Lives Matter member? Shouting in the streets, screaming after after a death. It, absolutely nothing. Actually, if it earns you anything, it's uh, perhaps a chance to be arrested, and then you have it on your record for the rest of your life, right? And and yet, this is what our community has been sold as opportunity, right? And he's somehow reversing it by saying, "Hey, Black America, here are the stats. What do you have to lose?" The most important turn of the century question for Black America: What do you have to lose? And the answer, of course, was absolutely nothing. Right. And I want to now talk about your support for him, and, and, and to get back to the core of this, which is talking about social lynchings. Sure. Um, and it's something that I need to do more work on, and we have to get you talking about this at Blexit rallies um, uh, and speaking to black America about this because it's very serious, and I don't know how we conquer it. I was turning – I turned um, on my social media, actually. I turned on Twitter, and I saw a clip that was going viral on CNN, and it was a clip of you – and you were debating um, a, CIA, a former CIA member right. about White House clearances. And this was after uh, Trump had announced that he was going to be revoking security clearances uh, for people, for certain individuals. The individual's name that you were debating? Phil Mudd. Phil Mudd. Right. And you exposed something that nobody knew outside of D.C. <laughs> about why these people that were formerly in the CIA like to keep their clearance badges. Can you explain to me what it was that you said? Yeah. One of the things I said that some of these CIA agents might be upset about President Trump revoking their clearances because it's going to lose uh, – It's going there's a monetary value to it. Everyone in D.C. knows that once you leave federal government, if you are able to keep your security clearance and higher level security clearances are the better. Uh, but if you're able to keep your security clearance, it makes you more profitable in the private sector because they they believe that you have more access and more ability to to help the private interests by which they work for. Not illegal, not a crime, just a fact. Right. And so when you start to strike and take away your clearance – it could have a negative impact on your bottom line. So they're just taking money out of the... If President Trump said, hey, I'm just going to start revoking clearances, right. these guys, these former CIA guys are thinking, hey, that's money out of my pocket. I make a lot of money because I have contracts right. uh, because I have access. Right. Consulting and contracts work with in the private sector. Phil apparently just did not like that. Well, uh, nobody knew it. So right. in, in Phil's defense, you exposed something right. and that not many Americans knew. Uh, and so th- it, what it did was it paint, it showed you how disingenuous the media was up in arms are revoking security clearances. And, and here you presented this fact that not many people knew. I certainly didn't know. Yeah. And I watched this man, Bob. Did you ever see this clip? Are you, are you, oh, my, you got to see this. Oh, he exploded. Yeah. I watched this man. He didn't... He, 
explode and implode. So first he <laughs> first he implodes and he just can't believe that on live air he's saying this and he's obviously very articulate. He's calm. He's like calm. You know, he's like you know this is what it is. It's 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 Washington D.C. You guys make money because of this. And he implodes and then he explodes and and he just starts getting angry. I mean, he starts screaming at the screen. And at this point, you realize, oh my goodness, Paris has got him and he's very uncomfortable. And what did he say to you in particular? He said something that was just like... He's like, you have 10 seconds to respond. That's what he he's said. Like, you have 10 he, seconds. Yeah. He's like, you have 10 seconds to like either take that back or, right. resp- or respond yeah. to this. And he made no sense, but it, it, was, it was threatening. Is he mean it was threatening? This former CIA guy. Um, of course, obviously, the clip goes viral on Twitter. And, and who retweets it other than President Trump? Right. Present. And I, I retweeted it and I was like, because it was jarring because it, it just instantly put an end to the whole virtue signaling. Oh, we must still have these. We're like, you don't need these security claims. Why are you pretending you need them? And then something amazing happened. Right. You get retweeted. It's like the high of like this right. is, you know what I mean? The high of right. social media. Yes, Paris has got them. And within what felt like to me less than 24 hours, yeah. it, maybe it was a week. Who knows? I, I, tr- I turn on the news. And it says that Paris Denard is dismissed from CNN yeah. or, or, or is uh, be, now being investigated yeah. uh, for an, a 2009 sexual assault claim. Yeah. Bam. Me too. Hashtag me too Yeah. I, I, got, I got the Me Too movement uh, on me. And it was interesting. My birthday was August 18th. This event, the, the hit was uh, August 23rd. And then literally, I think literally like five days later, I get a call from the Washington Post and he's saying, he's asking me about this report that I had never seen. And I said, well, can you send me the report? And he goes, well, no, I can't tell you. Uh, I, you. I can't give it to you because there's things you haven't seen in here. I said, so someone anonymously gave you this report? He goes, no, I know how I got it. I said, oh, okay. So somebody from the McCain Institute, where I, my former employer, it was affiliated with Arizona State University, leaked this doc, this HR document to the Washington Post. And on the phone with the reporter, I said, well, why me? Why now? And he says, well, you've been on television supporting President Trump and, and his past issues. I said, oh, this is about President Trump. Of course it's about. Did, did you I think said, this was about you? Well, I thought it was about justice. I thought it was about somebody was <laughs> grieved. You know, that, so, no, there was no active accuser. There was nothing of that sort. And so they, CNN immediately uh, suspended me with, with that day at the, the Washington Post article came out, and then they put me under investigation. Sorry. And I got a lawyer uh, who was fantastic, Jennifer McGrath, and she immediately went after them. And and and, and I couldn't even get access from of the to the report from ASU. I called for eight hours trying to get the access to the document. My attorney, the next day after the Washington Post article comes out, was able to get ASU to give me the document. You know who would have access to documents like that? Like a former CIA person, right? right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe. Who, who, Maybe. And here's the funny thing that a lot, a lot of people don't know. Seconds. I have 10 seconds. <laughs> 10 seconds. And in less than 10 seconds, <laughs> Phil Mudd, a person who I actually worked with at the McCain Institute. There it is. Um, and I had actually hired him <laughs> to appear on a panel uh, for $750 uh, to, to do a debate for us. And so there was a direct connection between you know, Phil Mudd getting upset, me having a prior existing relationship with him professionally working at the McCain Institute, and then somehow ASU, McCain Institute, gets the document to the Washington Post, and then CNN In has a sus- matter of seconds. suspends me. So then I t- asked CNN, I said, well, if this is so bad, why didn't you just immediately fire me? If it was so egregious, if there was any validity to all these claims that were in the report, which actually was debunked because Arizona State University actually put out a report, a, a second declaration document that said I never uh, did any of the, I didn't violate their harassment policy. So then there's that. They'd already hired you. Right. So assuming so, that they already had done a background check, but magically after you embarrass a former CIA member. I had been vetted. Or in 2009. Vetted by the White House to be on the on a commission by the president through, through the FBI. All of these things had happened since, since that thing uh, occurred. I asked, I said, will you just tell the public, CNN, will you just tell the public that you cannot corroborate anything in the in the report. Could you tell the public that you could not, all the things that came out in this investigation was inconclusive? No. So you'll, you'll publicly put me, that I say I'm suspended, which meant I'm still paid, which meant I'm still under contract with you. I can't appear anywhere else uh. during the midterms, um, of course. But after all of the investigation is over, you don't do anything to clear my name. Right. And so... 
you know, this is what they, they attempted to do. I got off of social media because I wanted to be respectful of the investigation and not aggravate them in any way. But that's okay. Because who came in? Candace Owens was, box, box. was doing and I, I said and I said I called, I said, I wish I could just respond. But the moment I was I got back on after this this investigation witch hunt was over, I was really saying thank you to you and was retweeting the things that you said. But and then I wrote an op-ed and I just said, I won't be silenced. No. Because if it, if they do this to me, if they're able to do this to me, they will do it to somebody else. And they and, have. And they have. They have. I, they I, saw- I looked at it and I said, this is me next week. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the second you make an imprint, I mean, and, and to see that, you have to watch it, bub, like this debate. You just, to watch a former Samer just implode and then explode, and then to see the virility of it, and then to watch them go after him. I said, this is a social lynching. This is a social lynching. And what they want to do is destroy his character. Right. And they also want to make sure he can't go anywhere else because now they put a stain on him. It's like, it's the stain that they put. And you know who, who brought this to my attention the first time? And I've been cognizant of it ever since. And I always speak up when I see black conservatives um, bearing the brunt of this. Clarence Thomas. Mm-hmm. Clarence Thomas brought this up. He right. called them high-tech lynchings. Right. That, and I went back and watched that clip. I mean, I would t- I would encourage everybody to read his book, uh, My Grandfather's Son. It will tell you a lot about the character and where this man comes from. Uh, and to your earlier point, he was a liberal, became conservative, has not Never gone back. Never went back. Um, but I saw that, and I watched him talk about no notes, just talk about that high-tech lynching, uh, that modern lynching that happened. And I, I said, my God, it's happening all over again. Mm-hmm. It's happening all over again, and they're not going to stop. Their, their goal is systematic silencing to remove the platform. So if you're able to get a platform, you know, on CNN, I was the only paid African-American Republican Trump supporter on the network. Mm -hmm. You had some that were Republican light, but none that were supporting the president. And I would go walk anywhere. I can be walking around Los Angeles, New York, D.C., anywhere. African-Americans would come up to me and say, you're Paris Denard. I could be in the grocery store. I could be at a club. I could be anywhere. You're Paris Denard. Can I take a selfie with you? Can I have your autograph? I don't agree with everything that you say, but I appreciate the things that you say. I watch you. Overwhelming support that I got in the streets, if you will, right. were from black people. Right. The effect, the positive impact that I, that, that I was having on that platform was the reverse of what they thought. They were trying to char- make me into a character. They were trying to make pin me up against any. I would debate anybody. Like, right. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I say that now. I'm telling you, who am I talking to? Candace Owens. She will really debate anybody. But, I'm like, let me in the ring. Right. But they could put me up against anybody and I would stand on my own. It was black people coming up to me. They always thought that it would be black people turning against me. No, no. The biggest support that I got, not a, not the faceless cowards that are on social media, but the people who are actually in the street, people who are coming up to me were Oh, the majority, overwhelmingly African-American. What that told me was the people watching I'm having an impact on. And they are, they're, 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 there's a connection. Just, just yesterday, young, a young millennial African-American woman came up to me. She goes, I love what you do on television. I admire you so much. I look up to you. And she, she goes, can I, can I, can I just had to come up and say hello to you. This is the reality of what it is, and right. this is why they tried to they tried to silence me. When this they is why see they, right when you get to that point, right, where they realize that okay, we we've tried to say this, ignore this person, right. we've laughed at this person, right. then they arrive at the point where they're going to fight you, right, right, and 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 I feel like um, what what is the word? I'm blanking on it right now. When there's a placed on your head, like when they're going to kill, dead or alive, it's a what is it? A what? No, but like, what's that? What is it? No, like if they issue like a not a ransom, but they issue a like um, I can't think of it. I know what you're talking about. You know, like back in the day, the wanted posters. There's a bounty. A bounty. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Back in the day, the wanted posters. There we go. Yes. They issue a bounty. They, I, I really do feel the, the media issues a bounty, um, and and then they say, okay, we tried to we tried to smear this person, we tried to ignore this person, we laughed at this person, we tried to smear this person, nothing really worked, and then they go all out, and then there's a bounty, and and then the assault that comes, yeah. it's unbelievable, and it happens over and over again. And the question that we have to ask ourselves as conservatives is, how do we help? How do we fix this? There are so few black conservatives that are able to make a difference, that are able to produce moments like you produce on CNN where people are just around the world applauding and going, yes, I get it. The point has been driven home. Do you feel that conservatives did enough to stand up for you? Absolutely not. And I will tell you this, Candace. I I was surprised by 
one person told me, you'll be, you'll be surprised by the people who do reach out to you and support you, and you'll be even more surprised by the people who don't. Wow. And I was, uh, you know, I don't want to say that I was taking notes, but I was taking notes. It's like, okay, this person didn't say one word to me publicly, which I get, or privately. You know, you can just, you can text me. You can send me an email. <laughs> like, you don't want to take too many hits like, on social media. I get that. No, nothing. You become a pariah. They, 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 they keep their distance. So one of the things that we have to do, we have to support one another. I've always said, there are some things that you say that I'm like, I don't think I can say that. Like, okay. I was like, oh, I was like, about, okay, I just said it. Oh, oh. Whew, that one hurts. All right. Um, we'll like this one. I don't know. This one might not get the retweet. You know, but, but, but to your, to your, to, to, to your credit, you have a platform and a lane that, and a voice that is uniquely yours. And you say things only Candace Owens was put on this earth to say. That's right. And there are things and ways that I say things and articulate things and have have an influence and a platform made create created just for me. But we have to have them all together in right. this in this mosaic of black conservatives. Because even amongst black Republicans or black conservatives, we're not a monolith in how we think. No, even, even absolutely in that not. Case. But we have to support one another. Right. And that's the problem, though, is that the, what somebody said to me is that the reason why Republicans and conservatives don't stand up for one another is because they, unlike the left, we aren't collectivist, right? Right. But the way that collectivism benefits the left is that they're all in lockstep. Yeah. They all defend each other. Or they all don't say anything or attack one another. They never attack one another. Right. And yet I see like a circle firing squad all the time on the right. right. And and it's almost like they're, they're, they're competing to be the left. I want to be the conservative voice that's louder. So uh, in, in a situation like that, I'd say, oh, great, Paris is down. Now I can be right. the only black conservative with the platform. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that is something that we have to stop as conservatives and realize that if you see one of us sinking, that is a, a, a movement that is sinking, right? Conservative thought. We're at a brink of, we are on the brink of losing America. Yeah. Set your ego aside. Thank Stand you. up and speak out when you see something as horrific and as obvious as what happened to you play out. You use your platform and you use your voice to say something about it. We have to. So so I think black conservatives have to do that. I think all conservatives have to do Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Every major organization has to do that. Every major organization should be giving us the same platform as they give other people. But in addition to that, Candace, we have to fight back. We do. And that is what a lot of times we don't. Sometimes we don't have the resources, which I understand. But we need to. We're connected to too many people that might that do have the resources, so that when we see something that happens, you've got, I quickly got a lawyer, right? Got a got a legal team that has put out a notice of claim against ASU as we speak. You know, you've got to go after these people and hold them accountable. Right. That's why I love that the first lady is like, "Oh no, no, I've won two lawsuits. I Thank you it. very much. I love it. Love because it, Melania. If we do not fight back, we allow them to have the power and to and to silence us. Right. It won't be enough for us to say, "Oh, it's really bad what they said about Candace Owens recently on this and the, the attack Candace Owens." But what are we going to do about it? Right. If we've got to take it to the next level, we have to be on the offense. Because this 2020 election, the, the the soul of the country and the future of the black family and the black community, is they are all at stake. And we've got to not play defensive politics with it. We've got to be on the offense. And so when something like this happens, we've got to rally together, yes, and support each other. But we also have to be willing to fight back. Right. Because a lot of times we don't. And right. we take it and we take the hit and we just sit there and we suffer in and silence. And early offense is so necessary. So I don't know if you know this, but I was actually the first conservative who spoke out against the Me Too movement, and I got roundly condemned on the left and the right. I was attacked. Oh, so inappropriate. Why? Because the left obviously chose something like rape, right? That's something that nobody would ever want to critique, right? Because they knew that that's how they're going to get power. We're going to create this movement and take right. down people because we know that you're not going to be comfortable enough to attack to attack an argument that's based in sexual assault and rape, things that, sh that make people uncomfortable to talk about. The writing was on the wall the second that I saw this movement with no facts. Right. They don't care. It's just, Nancy I said Pelosi it happened. Believe, believe women. Every, oh. Full stop. I've, you know, I've never told a lie, right? I've never, my whole <laughs> life, right? Never. I'm a woman. I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> but oh. never, not even when I was nothing. <laughs> just came out truthful and honest. We, um, should, we should listen. We should <laughs> listen to women. Yes. But you cannot believe. Uh, just believe facts is what you should believe. Believe, believe facts. facts. There don't should believe, be due process. Don't believe men. Don't believe women. Believe facts. Believe facts. And, and, and there should always be a due process. And I spoke out against this and I got slammed left and right. And I held my ground. People saying, delete to tweet and trying to get me deplatformed. And I said, no, because the writing is on the wall. And then what happened? Brett Kavanaugh happened. Right. And everybody changed their tune and realized, oh, 
wow, they might be weaponizing sexual assault. They might be weaponizing the topics of rape and sexual assault to go after people and deplatform them. And now people realize that, but that early, you, there is no topic that is above debate. There's no topic that we should not be able to have an intellectual discussion about. And and we have to realize the left is purposely uh, creating these rules yeah. because they're, they're trying to silence conservatives and make them uncomfortable to have that intellectual conversation. And and it's it's even deeper than that. And it, they don't even want you to, it's not even to the point of talking about or tweeting about it. It's the Make America Great Again hat, right? It's the, remember, well before Covington, we had the, the young African-Americans that were entering on the Hill who got kicked out of their Ubers because they, they had MAGA hats on. And we had the young African-American who went into the Cheesecake Factory and, and was harassed and, 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 was, and had to leave just because he had the hat on. So when this happened to them, it was kind of like, oh, like, whatever. And I brought that up. Oh, the Paris is, that, 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 that's irrelevant. Their lives don't matter. Right, Th- right. That's he's what, a black conservative. He's a, who cares? He yeah. should be able to take it. No, 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 no. What they're trying to do now is they're trying to silence your... No one cared when you had an Obama or the O hat or the T-shirt or at all. But now what they're trying to say is, you know, Alyssa Milano, whatever, if you wear the hat, it's it's the new KKK, it's new hood. No, 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 it's not. She really gets it. She know? gets it. She, she gets she, it. She's clear. Okay. <laughs> We've got to have the we, – we can't we can't back down. No. Wear the hat mm-hmm. and wear it boldly and proudly and, 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 and be proud of who you are and what you stand for. It's and the only thing I wear at airports, just so you know. I travel six days a week. I wear my MAGA hat. Every airport, because of just what you said, right. you have to double down. Right. You have to let liberals know you're not going to bully me. I'm not afraid to support this president. And you do get you do get attacked. I had a woman attack me in Denver Airport yesterday, right. and and say to me, "How dare?" Of course, she looked like Christine Blasey Ford, and she right. says, "How dare you wear that hat to support a racist and a white supremacist?" And then ask him, "What has he done that's been of racist?" That's what I asked her. Yeah. I said, "Can you point to me one policy or one thing that he has said?" That makes him a white supremacist or a racist. I think if he was a white supremacist, I know before you, I'm black, honey. Right. <laughs> you don't have to tell me when something's racist. I'm black. Right. I'll be the first to know when something's racist because it'll be against me. Right. You don't have to tell me when some when someone is a misogynist because I'm a woman. Right. So I'll be the first to know if he puts in place a policy that is going to negatively impact women. Don't undermine me. Don't think that I'm so unintellectual that I need you as a white person to tell me when a, when somebody's racist. Right. And and Candace, we've seen this before. We saw it with Jim Crow. We've seen liberal policies put on the uh, on the on the necks of Black Americans to keep them in a certain spot or to silence them or to to to, to hurt their economic mobilities. And we we've seen them put these liberal policies to on us. And this is what you're doing now. It's it's just in a different form. It's in it's the the political way that they're doing it. It's the trying to silence us. It's trying to make us ashamed of being a conservative or ashamed to speak out or ashamed to wear the, the MAGA hat. This is what they want to do. And then they put intimidation on it. And they, they then they add celebrities and give celebrities a voice to do it. And so that everywhere you turn, everywhere you look, you you are uh, uh, it's bad for you to be that. But the, the great thing about what you're doing in terms outside of politics, but in this cultural space, which I think is fantastic, is you're providing that place of acceptance. You're providing that place of, 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 of security and support. And if we don't have that, there'll be a generation lost and silenced because they feel that they just it's not worth it. Right. It's not worth it to speak out. It's not worth it to be a leader. It's not worth it to put my neck out and run for office or or to speak out against things that I see that the liberals might be doing to me on my campus or at my job or with 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 or with the actual media. And so I think what we have to continue to do is to support the things that you're doing and to support the other organizations that are out there that are giving the platform because without the platform they that they know that that is the power right. they know they know your power right. they know our strength mm-hmm. and they know that the the effectiveness of our voices and when that happens they have to they they stop at nothing to to destroy you and it's not just destroy the platform it's destroy all it's the collateral damage right. it's your family it's your friends it's your it's your fiance i mean your, your poor sainted fiance i mean he doesn't know what he's getting into I mean, i'm like are you sure are you sure yeah. <laughs> i ask him all the time i'm like oh okay are you positive right but the but the but the but the best revenge is success it is and president trump is showing us success through his policies and you continuing to fight back are showing success and and and, and me fighting back and you supporting and having these platforms like this with PragerU, this is us showing that we're going to fight back and it's going to 
it positively shows what success looks like, and we're going to keep fighting. What we need is is our, our allies. I mean, we need yeah. allies, and and I've been blessed, obviously. PragerU, they, I mean, Bob, you guys know you're getting into. Are you sure? <laughs> are you sure? Yeah, but I mean, right? Yeah, and and but you guys know, you know what it is, and and you know what what we're doing right now, and you know how scared they are of of black people waking up, and they see me as target number one right now because I'm going to continue to use my platform to get the truth out to black Americans to make sure that you defend right. when they socially lynch someone in the yeah. way that they did, which was despicable and not enough people spoke out about it. Um, and I really do think that what we're doing is going to make a difference. And, and I just want to make sure that the the Clintons are alive to see black Americans. Uh, just so I, That's why I really, if I, 2020 is my vision. I really do believe that we're going to crack the black vote and we're going to open hearts and we're going to open minds. And we're going to see our community do better. So we always wrap the podcast. It's been a little fun thing. Are you ready? You didn't tell him, did you? I told nobody anything. Good. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Bub gets his timer out, yeah. and then we say, pretend that you are speaking to the entire world. You wow. get two minutes, Okay. and you get to launch a vibration, something that you get to uniquely say to, to the world. If this could t- catch fire right now, two minutes on the clock, what is your idea or your concept or the thing that you want to say? Am I ready? (laughs) Here we go. I will not be silenced. They have tried to silence me for many years as a young black Republican conservative speaker, thought leader, but it won't work. What they did to me, they will try to do to you. It's very real. Their tactics are very real. And they mean to do harm. But we've got to fight back. If we don't fight back, they will totally eradicate my voice and your voice. This is not this is not games. This is not something to, to play around with. This is something we have to take very seriously. The future of our country, the future of Black America is contingent upon us rising together and not allowing the liberal extreme left to totally destroy our community once again. I'm going to fight back. I need you to fight back. I need you to support Candace. I need you to support me. I need you to support the movements that are going on in this country because the movements change lives. Movements are positive. And this movement that we're in right now can have a transformational effect on the future of our country. I'm not going to back down, and you shouldn't either. God bless. That was right. That was good. Right. That was amazing. Wow. You've heard it first. Right. That was awesome. Thank you guys for watching the latest episode of The Candace Owens Show. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. As many of you guys already know, PragerU is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, which means we need your help to keep all of our content free to the public. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation today. I would really appreciate your support.